help support your local businesses. Whether they're corner stores, coffee spots, or just your favorite local shops, local businesses have always been there for you. They've always been a part of your team, supporting you and your community. They remember your order. They call you by name. They're always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, help your team score and choose to shop at a local business. And while you're there, look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa. Everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. Week three's in the books for your Dallas Cowboys, and it turned out just like we had expected. Dak and Russ went toe-to-toe, not much defense was played, and Cedric Wilson goes off for two touchdowns, just like everyone predicted. So, welcome in to this episode of About Them Cowboys. I'm Kent Garrison, producing today and every day, but hey, today's a great day for you to be a part of The Athletic. Head on over to theathletic.com slash about them cowboys, pony up that dollar. Because the offer won't last long and lock in the next year of coverage at The Athletic for 12 bucks. Theathletic.com slash about them cowboys. Get on it now. But now, it's time to talk about this game. Welcoming back on to the panel. He's NFL Network producer. He's podcaster with Jane Slater. He's Bobby Belt. And the two best friends that anyone could have, Father John Mishota and Kevin KT Turner. Guys. So much to get into. Let's get right into it, KT. Yeah, thank you very much, Kent, and thank you for joining us this week, Bobby. Um, I think I would, I would just. There's so many topics and things that we could hit. I think we we should start running through the game chronologically. Let's start there, and then we'll just hit on everything and spend as much time as we need to on all the big things because I think we can all agree that last night's game was like being on the Texas Giant at Six Flags. It was quite the roller coaster. Um, the Seahawks, you know, get the ball and, uh, Alden Smith gets a little sack. How about that? Uh, he ended up having three on the day and a big pass breakup. Cowboys get the ball back, end up going on a big drive, looking good. Look like they can kind of do anything with the Seattle defense. They're up three, nothing, but then we've got a coverage bust when the Seahawks get the ball back, a 43 yard touchdown pass, Tyler Lockett, um, and really, he just ran past Darian Thompson and Xavier Woods. Um, it became quite clear after yesterday's game that our issues at safety are still um, still a really, really big problem on this team, and if not, maybe a terminal issue, John. Yeah, I think they're actually worse than what we were thinking, and, and the reason why I say that is because of the fact that even in previous years when there wasn't good safety play, you just didn't see as many big plays and busts like you saw or you have seen this season. So uh, it could actually be worse. Um, but since we're talking about the defense, I also want to point out what I was very interested in early on was I wanted to see how Alden Smith and Demarcus Lawrence and Everson Griffin were going to be rushing because there was this talk this past week that Mike Nolan was going to allow them to kind of go back to what they felt comfortable with. And uh, Alden Smith feels comfortable with doing whatever the hell he wants, and he just gets to the quarterback. Absolute beast. We'll probably talk about him plenty. 
and he, that's why he was out there uh, almost twice as many snaps as Demarcus Lawrence. Um, and basically, what they did is they went with Alden doing whatever he wanted, which was mostly standing up. And he he, he was he was amazing in this game. Uh, on the other side, that's when they would rotate in Demarcus Lawrence and Everson Griffin. Lawrence started the game. He did he played the first series, second series, and went to Griffin, back to Lawrence, back to Griffin. You get it. Uh, and I thought it was interesting that Lawrence and Griffin were rushing with their hands on the ground. Um, and again, back to Alden Smith. Alden Smith got a sack rushing from his normal two point. He got two sacks that way. He also got one rushing from a four point stance on the left end spot. I mean, he was just a, a he's an he's an amazing chess piece to have there. But when you have that, you're kind of thinking, okay, well, for the talk forever was just well, you know, Lawrence gets double teamed a lot, and you know, uh, they got to have they're not going to be able to free him up. Well, now that you got Alden Smith playing the way that he is, leading the NFL in sacks right now with four through three weeks, you would expect that. Everson Griffin and Demarcus Lawrence should be able to eat in, in pass rushing situations. I mean, they just, they, there is not going to be many double teams. They're, every team right now is worried about stopping Alden Smith when they face the Cowboys. And so uh, those two guys didn't get home. We'll, we'll talk more about that as it goes on. That's not to say that they didn't have good plays in the run game, but obviously the Cowboys need more from those guys for it to even have a chance in the back end. But to just kind of wrap up everything I, I was going to say about it on defense, they just, there's just too much on their plate. You can just tell that they're just not on the same page on that defensive backfield. And that might work against Josh Rosen. That's not going to work against Russell Wilson, even on a day when Russell Wilson really wasn't that great. I know people will look back at the stats and look at the big throws, but you look pretty great to me. But like there was a lot of short throws that he threw underneath that were that were just didn't get his guys in position to make big plays after them. His deep ball was amazing, of course. Um, and he was Russell Wilson. So uh there, there's just so much to dissect here, but if we'll just focus on that first series, yeah, that, that defensive backfield, there, there's, there's a lot of work that needs to be done there, and and it needs to be simplified. It's, it's kind of interesting. I, I made this comparison the other day uh, on my own podcast. I was talking with RJ Ochoa and Kelsey Charles about it. Um, that it feels almost like the Cowboys handled the corner situation, or, or maybe the entire defensive backfield this off season. Um, they handled it the way they've handled other position groups in the last few years. 2015, it was the running back where you say, we're going to let our star running back walk and uh, we're going to do this committee thing. We're going to get a bunch of street guys and it's going to be great. And then they get into the season and they go, uh, this is not working as good as we thought. We're going to go trade for Kristen Michael. Uh, we're going to go get Robert Turbin. Uh, we need to start figuring out other things that we can plug and play here. And then in 2018, it was the receiver where you say, we're going to let Des walk. We don't need Des. We can do this by a committee. And, and then you get into the season and you say, uh, okay, this committee thing's not going to work out very well either. We're, we're dropping the ball here. Now we're going to need to go out and make a trade for Amari Cooper. Same sort of thing this offseason where it's like Byron Jones is not somebody we want to pay. We don't want to pay him to be this guy. We think we can get along without him. And now they're entering the season and it sure feels like they're looking for any sort of move they can make to go, okay, we actually miscalculated this. It's just it's interesting how they keep seemingly misplaying positions and then cal- miscalculating what they needed a certain position when they head into it. And then they're left, you know, kind of stuck and going, we need to make some sort of a move. We either need to scan the waiver wire, or we need to make a trade or whatever else. And I think we're at that point, especially after yesterday. Um, and, and not just from, I know we're going to get into some more of it, not just from the first touchdown, but I mean, the fact that all three of those Tyler Lockett touchdowns were busted coverages, somebody not understanding an assignment, somebody passing something off. Um, and so, yeah, I think that yesterday was a, uh, 
it was obvious what was to come. I think after that first Tyler Lockett play, I think everybody kind of felt like, okay, this is, this is going to be another rough day where we're going to need Dak Prescott to put up 30, 40 points if you want to win. Uh, John, before we move on, what did you make of Jalen's comments earlier in the week where he basically kind of, without saying it, said, man, we've got a lot going on in this new defense and it's a lot to learn and we're not playing instinctively. What did, what did you make anything of that? I was a little surprised that he said that publicly um, as opposed to just keeping that in-house because that's generally what guys do. But I have to agree with him. I mean, it, you can argue all you want. Well, these guys are professionals. They make millions of dollars. They should be able to pick all this stuff up. That's fine. That's not the argument I'm trying to make. If they're not doing that, you don't just sit there and go, well, we're not going to even play this year because our guys can't understand the system, but we're not changing the system. They should be able to get this. They make millions of dollars. Yeah, that's that's cool. That doesn't help you win games. You have to adjust to the personnel you have. That's just the way it, that's the way it works. So it's not ideal, but they have to adjust something on the back end because you can't just have guys running wide open. I mean, it just you can't. They're just that that cannot happen. Well, you know, one thing that Bobby was saying too. What makes that even more frustrating about those position groups is it's all this was in a time when your quarterback was was you know cheap. Uh, aside from what he mentioned about the running backs. I really don't have a problem with their decision to not pay Byron Jones. I think it's something they should have considered, and I think they had probably had some good debates about that. Um, I'm, I'm more talking about the safety position, in which we have a systematic thing going on here. For right. over 20 years, you're just denying the fact that safety is a problem on this football team. And now, right. more than ever, it is, it's killing you. It's I think it's important to note, though, that they did. They did. They have spent money, though. You know, I mean, they sure. have spent money on their offensive line, on their running back, their number one wide receiver. Mm-hmm. They're going to spend money on their quarterback. Tank. They spent elite money on on, on their pass rusher. Um, so, I mean, they're they're spending it in just in in different areas, and and they deserve credit for getting Trayvon Diggs in the second round because he looks like he's going to be a very good player. He's just scratching the surface. He's the be- best upside that they have in, in that secondary. But yeah specifically at safety, that's that's the worry spot for sure because I really honestly don't even have a problem with them going into the season with Anthony Brown and Cheeto and Jordan Lewis. These are these are guys that should be able to play at least at a solid level at where they're at in their career. And and then you add Trayvon Diggs. I don't hate that. Obviously they get the injuries to those guys. So you know you don't have Brown, you don't have a Wouzier. So you're you're forced to play Daryl Worley's and 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 Jordan Lewis is out there more than he should be when Obviously, he's too handsy in in the secondary. I, I love what he does when he's around the line of scrimmage. I mean, when he comes up to make run stops or when they blitz him. I mean, that's he's been very good there. But he, obviously, you you saw in that game alone. You didn't need to see him play ever at any other time. You saw in the game alone. He uses his hands too much. Leads to penalties. It wasn't just the big blown plays. Four four defensive back penalties in that first half. Those are killers too. Kept drives alive. So yeah, that that's obviously a problem. But no, you're absolutely right, KT. Just the the. Not at, not giving anything at safety. Starting Darian Thompson at safety. I mean, he's a fine rotational player, but I don't I don't think he should be playing the entire game. Was it wasn't the thought supposed to be, or the conversation at the week during the week was that? Well, I guess we're going to see Brandon Carter and Daryl Worley suspending their rotational thing. They're going to be permanent corners until this gets worked out. We're just going to have to, you know, worry about that because they're needed too much at corner. But then you, I mean, you go into that game and you've got, uh, I'm just going to look at the snap counts real quick. You've got, you know, Darian Thompson playing all but four snaps. You have Xavier Woods playing all the snaps at safety. And you end up having Brandon Carr play three snaps at corner. And in a game where so much of it seemed to be about uh, IQ 
um, to be, because it's blown assignments. It seems to be about football IQ and, and things like that. Um, if you're not going to use Brandon Carr corner like you did yesterday, uh, I don't understand why he didn't at least get a few more, at least in the red zone, get, get him a few more snaps at safety and, and use that football IQ to at least understand assignments when guys are blowing them. I, I just didn't understand. I thought the whole point of him not playing safety was because he was needed too much at corner and then he placed three snaps at corner. I don't know this to be the case. This is the only argument I can make off that, though, is that we get to see even little now, even less now in practice than we've ever been able to see before. And so my only thing is that if during the week a guy's just getting destroyed in practice, you know, that could have some ramifications on, you know, if they play on Sunday. But we don't get to see that. We don't get to see any team drill stuff at all. We don't get to see any defense going against offense just to break it down for you. We don't even get to see Dak Prescott. Like when Dak Prescott comes out there, we get to, we get, we have to leave. Um, and so I don't know if, I mean, watching these first three games, they obviously aren't hiding any huge secrets. Uh, um, the screen game is, I, I don't want to get too far off track here, but I just got to get this off my chest here. The screen game uh, offensively is abysmal. Any type of jet sweep that they're doing looks like trash, and they have CD Lamb. Those should be they're not getting anything on any any trick plays at all. So I, I don't know what what they're doing in practice and how how that's affecting the game, but we don't get to really see any of it. So I'm I'm not certain, but that's the only thing I can say about the only playing Brandon Carr three snaps because I wondered the same thing. I thought for sure this was a golden opportunity for him to play a decent amount, and and he didn't. So that's the only thing I can think of is that maybe in practice he just hasn't played well. You know, until that offensive line is a cohesive unit, and maybe we'll talk in the next podcast a little more about Tyron Smith's neck and, you know, Lyle Collins and things like that. You know, until that's a cohesive unit, it's hard to see a lot of those trick plays working. We'll talk a little bit later in this year, though, about some of the adjustments they made on the offensive line. So it's 7-3 after the blown coverage, Tyler Lockett scores. And then, uh, guys, we got to talk about Tony Pollard. He uh, muffs the uh, the kickoff and farts around with it at the one-yard line and ends up going down at the one-yard line. Very reminiscent of Felix Jones, the Felix Jones fumble in that same stadium a few years back. So they kind of, but this is a little more different. Is uh, He was just kind of right there at the goal line and just couldn't uh, corral it, and he falls down on it at the one-yard line. On the next play, the turf monster bites Zeke, and Zeke falls down, and the Cowboys give up a safety, and it's 9-3 to Seattle. Look, I'm a big fan of Tony Pollard's upside and potential, but right now, him being out there is hurting your football team more than he's helping it. Well, I don't understand why the little bit that you are going to use him is on the kickoff returns where he's shown uh, he doesn't help you there. Um, I mean, this is, I think, two weeks in a row, maybe all three. This is two weeks in a row, at least, I think, where he's played more snaps on special teams than he's played on offense. And I feel like at least try and if you're going to do the screen game, you're going to do things like that with as many difficulties as they're having, like John talked about. Um, I would think you'd want to at least work Pollard in on some of that or, or try and use the shiftiness and some of that. But, it, you know, they continue to send him out there on special teams. He continues to make mistakes on special teams. Um, and then yesterday it was, uh, I think, six snaps on offense. I think he had seven or eight the week before. Um, but he had, you know, his nine snaps on special teams. Um, and they sent him back out there, even after muffing the, you know, kick and making some questionable decisions to run stuff out of the end zone the last couple of weeks. They sent him back out there for all those kicks. And, uh, you know, they were all touchbacks after that, but he was still out there. He was, you know, they continue to kind of stubbornly put him out there. And when they've been willing to make so many other changes, it seems like, and, you know, in game and, and swap guys out who, you know, aren't getting the job done. It is interesting to me that 
Tony Pollard continues to be run out there on kickoff returns. Um, but yeah, a, a low IQ play. Um, he also, I think it looked like he slipped a little bit on the field. That's why he ended up having to dive on it. He had some time to pick it up and get out a little bit, but he slipped. And then Zeke slips the very next play. And uh, Dan Turner, our, uh, our British buddy, uh, Cowboys fan and, and NFL draft connoisseur. Good day, um, mate. Yes, exactly. Had said, uh, you know, I don't think he, that's the accent. It's it's no, that's the one. I've been I've been to England before. That's what they, that's how they talk. <laughs> um, but it is. He made a good point that I was thinking myself before that drive started, which it's like, man, I don't understand this obsession teams that always have with running it out of your goal line. You are more likely to use you're more likely to lose a yard trying to run it on the one yard line than you are to try and just quick snap throw or, or something like that. Maybe that's related to. You're concerned about who's in there at the offensive line and the pressure they might give up on Dak. But even still, those same guys you're concerned about are going to be the ones trying to block for Ezekiel Elliott. And Ezekiel Elliott, I think this is two weeks now of pretty rough football. I know a lot of people try to say, well, he was good in the second half against Atlanta. Yeah, but he was part of the reason he went down 20 to nothing against Atlanta. And so I think that, uh, you know, for the little bit we talked about DeMarcus Lawrence earlier and, and now Ezekiel Elliott and Jalen Smith and some of the things that he's having trouble adapting to, um, you've got a lot of big-time investments that are, are not giving you the right returns right now. It's crazy. It makes you think about how, why in this salary cap era, how Bill Belichick's had so much success and he hasn't really invested a lot of money in a lot of guys. Like, he's let a lot of guys go when they were about to come up. I mean, Trey Flowers was great for them. Uh, you know, help helped him win Super Bowl, and the, you know when he was coming up to get big time money. Obviously, they, the staff liked him enough that when Matt Patricia goes to Detroit, it's like, oh, we're going in on this guy. And Bill's like, okay, see you later. Like, we'll just find the next guy. He's done that on the offensive line, defensive line. Like, obviously, you have to be, have Bill Belichick to be able to find these guys. But it is interesting how he has had that philosophy work for him uh, during the what I think is the greatest dynasty in the NFL. Uh, with the New England Patriots, and they really don't pay big-time guys. They do here and there, but they're not paying everybody. No, no doubt Chandler Jones comes to mind as well. Um, you know, so it's 9-3. The Cowboys do get a stop, though, by giving Seattle the ball back. Alden Smith, another sack, helps the Cowboys get the ball back. Then uh, make a little quick note that Joe Looney goes out with an ankle injury and Tyre Biotish goes in at center, the rookie. Or is it Biotish? I think it's Biotish. Yeah, it's always a tough one. Um, then Dak hits Lamb for 28 yards. Dak hits Cooper over the middle for 28 yards, in which he kind of landed weird and, and limped off. And then Zeke uh, plows it in from one yard out to make it 9-9. Nine to nine. Zerline dongs the extra, extra point off the upright. So 9-9. Nine, nine. And then Seahawks get the ball back. And then Russell Wilson hits DK Metcalf. And Metcalf is basically jogging to the end zone. And Trevon Diggs does his best Don Beebe impersonation and comes up from behind and swats the ball away for a touchdown. It would have been an easy 57-yard touchdown pass, but Trevon Diggs with the hustle play and a little bit of loafing from DK Metcalf gives the Cowboys the ball back. That was one of the craziest plays uh, we'll probably see all year. Yeah, and if that doesn't happen, I mean, maybe this game doesn't ever end up being close. Maybe that one right there just starts blowing the doors off and they don't even come back. Um a great hustle play by by Diggs. Obviously, a bad play from the let Metcalf get behind him like that, and it didn't appear like he had any safety help there. Uh, 
but I mean, again, like you're going to see good plays. You're going to see bad plays. I mean, he's a rookie, but I would say that if you watched all these first three games, you know, you've seen enough upside there where you're like, this is going to be a nice player. Like we're going to have to deal with some bumps in the road, but ultimately they got themselves a, a really good corner with good size. You know, Troy Aikman pointed it out during the broadcast, like, it's not a surprise to him that he has a shoulder injury because Diggs does not hesitate on getting in there and making tackles in the run game. Uh, a physical guy uh, and just a, a great heads up play on that on that one, especially from a rookie. You, you know, one thing too, we talked about this whole uh, idea of okay, well, this defense here, look, they may give up more big plays. They might be less, uh, you know, bend but don't break. They might give up some bigger plays. You know, but to you know, offset it with turnovers, and that's the thing that kind of jumps out. Still not getting turnovers, and B, you know, the big plays that happened yesterday, they really weren't close. Like, I can understand if it's just a thing where a guy ran a great double move and just he just got he just broke your ankles. These yeah, are, or a defensive are, back slips and falls yeah. or something like that. These are flat out just someone's not getting it or just just not seeing it fast enough. Um, so like, that's, that's a big, a big problem. Now give Seattle credit. They always have a, uh, they've really adjusted their offensive game plan to, we do want to let Russell throw it more and try to get ahead. And then we'll try to get the running game going. And they like to do some misdirection stuff. I and mean, they had a pretty good game plan offensively. I, I'll give them that. But th- that's something that, again, it's early. I always want to give new defenses time. To figure it out, and, and to the, maybe offensive schemes as well. Although this offensive scheme is not terribly different, um, but I just wanted to give defenses a little bit of time to figure it out. I mean, you've seen some teams over the years kind of struggle, and then you know, kind of cobble it together and go on a run late in the year. So I, I do like. I'm not saying I'm, I'm giving people free passes, but I, I do think there does, especially this year, there, there is time for a learning curve. And, and honestly, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit because we're about to start getting into the second quarter, but that defense did have a few stops in the third quarter to, to keep the game close. So, and, and some of the sacks were coverage sacks. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like just Alden Smith just got there and uh, just on some speed rush or whatever. I mean, there were some coverage sacks. I mean, there were some positive. And believe me, I wouldn't be really hating on the defensive backfield if even if they gave up 38 points – if there wasn't just so many guys wide open, that's the problem. And yeah. because yeah, we've yeah, already yeah. seen is, that this year, this we've seen that in the Atlanta game. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's the issue. When you see those busted coverages, that comes down to an IQ thing. I, I mean, that, I don't think that's got anything to do with adjusting to Mike Nolan's scheme or anything else. I mean, there are just some of these instances where guys are just, you know, having uh, these mental lapses, just these almost brain dead plays of just like fundamental football. And it, it's a little bit we didn't see these sort of busted coverages last year, but it's it's sort of the same symptom or, or, or the same sickness, which is just about preparation and and seemingly rookie mistakes from uh, you know a number of veterans. Yeah. Um, that was something that they ran into a lot last year, where they would just have these, and, and everybody kept talking about like this is a preparation issue. You know, this is clearly on Jason Garrett. All right, well, if we're talking about preparation issues and, and putting that on Jason Garrett, this is you know. Every game now, you know, slow starts, all three games this year, slow starts under Mike McCarthy and, you know, a number of what feels like rookie mistakes and and rookie IQ issues from veteran football players. And you're now, you know, a a famous watermelon kick away from being 0-3. And Alden Smith pointed out how, you know, 
and he's done this multiple times within the last three or four days is just talk about how, you know, we didn't have the off season to put in this new defensive scheme. We didn't have preseason games. So you're going to see this early in the season where there's some mistakes in that, but you know, like Bobby said, it's, it, here's the thing. If this was three or four years ago, we're like, well, Jordan Lewis is still young and Cheeto's young and Xavier Woods is young. And, um, even relatively Byron Jones was at that time, you know, you could understand some of this, some of these mistakes, Anthony Brown, but like, these guys are veterans now, you know, and, and, and the guys that they've brought in, Daryl Worley's a veteran, Darian Thompson's a veteran. Like that's the part where that that's the one that gets discouraging is that it's not like it's Reggie Robinson and Trayvon Diggs and an undrafted rookie free agent, and somebody else back there. You know I mean? These are veteran guys. So that that's why you would, you'd hope that as the season goes along, this gets better. But I think it stands out even more just because of the fact that while they didn't get any turnovers in previous years, you just didn't see, I remember specifically last year being stunned in that Jets game when Robbie Anderson had that big touchdown uh, catch right before half because I was like, the Cowboys just don't give up those plays. They don't make plays, but they don't give up those big plays like that and and had that busted coverage. And so to see so many of those, and we're only three weeks into the season, I mean, you just sit there and you're, you're asking yourself, is like, is this just how it's going to be all season? And if it is, that don't get me wrong, it still might be, it still might be enough to win, win an awful NFC East, but like you're not going to beat the good teams. Yeah. Well, and can, I, can, I, can I just point out real quick? I think it's it's interesting that John, you talk about you know if this is a couple of years ago, we go, oh, Jordan Lewis, you know he's a rookie, Cheeto's a rookie, and and that we would kind of write it off to that. But they are veteran players at this point. I do think it's funny that you look at a high IQ play from your, these type of high IQ plays you get in second are from that rookie though. It's from Trayvon Diggs having the sense to go, I'm going to punch this out on the third touchdown. I don't know if y'all noticed this. On the third touchdown, Tyler Lockett scored where there was a busted coverage. Trayvon Diggs called it out as he let him go. He pointed at Lockett and then, like, pointed at him and said, like, pick him up. And, like, called it out, called out the coverage to the safeties and pointed and said, take him, follow him, and let it go and went over to his side. And it's And, and who that, followed him, Bobby? Yeah, exactly. Nobody. But, I mean, it's <laughs> funny, though, that that's the point is that, like, the guy who – is seemingly does have the responsibility to call out and, you know, call out switches and, and seems to understand the concepts. The best is this rookie is Trayvon Diggs. And that's a little distressing. It's, but it's also, I think I, in the, in the long term, I think it's good news. You know, yes. I, I, the fact that he's out there getting all these reps, I think is a good thing. Uh, you know, some drives go, uh, you, you kind of forget about in a game. I thought this was a key drive in the game as it's nine, nine and we're starting the second quarter. Seattle's got a third and 10, and then Jordan Lewis gets a big sack on Russell Wilson, but that gets nullified by the illegal contact penalty on Daryl Worley. So that keeps the drive alive, and then a few plays later, uh, Daryl Worley um, gets an interception, but it's called back due to a hold on Jordan Lewis. So I don't know any other way to put it than Jordan Lewis and Daryl Worley kind of boned each other right there. And uh, the Cowboys couldn't get the ball back. They they end up Seattle scores. Um, you get the pass interference on Brandon Carr, and then uh, you know Russell Wilson hits Tyler Lockett on the one yard touchdown pass that, that we were. That's not the one we were talking about with the crossing route. That was the one on the right, right. side of the end zone. And uh, Seattle goes up. <laughs> there were so many. Just, there were yeah. so many of them. Just whatever. So much. Hey, but how about this? The Cowboys get it back, and they answer three plays, seventy five yards including a 40-yard touchdown pass to Cedric Wilson. All um, right, tie game, 16-16. Well, the, the, the extra point was blocked, Bobby. They, uh, I, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. 
John Fossil, um, who was seen before the game at a produce market. Father um, John Fossil. Yeah, he um, yeah, no, extra point block, 16-15. Uh, but Cedric Wilson, a huge day overall. We'll talk about him again as this thing goes on. But five catches for 107 yards. Hey, you and know, like only 24 uh, offensive snaps for him, too. Bob, yeah. you got that thing up right now, isn't it? 24 for Cedric Wilson? Uh, yeah, let's look here. Offensive snaps. Yeah, 24, 29% of the game. That Crazy is, productive. That's efficient. Uh, but it's interesting. Like, that's good to see because we've seen, you know, Amari Cooper be kind of banged up uh, a little bit. And the Cowboys are not going to have – I was hoping you might see a little more this year, but you're not seeing a lot of four wide receiver sets. Although we've seen Dalton Schultz playing the, playing the slot and – he had a decent day yesterday as well. Um, but again, like that's that's something I would like to see them go to four wide receivers more often. But if Amari Cooper's gonna need time off or need to keep him at as healthy as possible throughout the year. Um and, and, and you know, CeeDee Lamb as a rookie uh, has kind of a lean figure, and I don't I don't yeah, know I don't think he's had an injury history or a big injury history, but it's like good to have a guy who can fill in and run some routes every once in a while. Which, and, which, by and, the way, I, I don't want to get too far ahead, but do we know why CD Lamb? Did they say why CD Lamb was off the field on that last drive? Because he was not on the field on that interception. I, I never heard. There was no Brown. Yeah, I, I never heard. Um, that makes me wonder if he got banged up because I can't I, understand why you wouldn't want to have CD Lamb out there on the field for those type of plays. I thought on one of Especially the plays logged on. So. On one of the plays where they tried to do a reverse, I thought I saw him get hit and kind of grab his ankle for a second, but he didn't leave the game. He stayed in the game. Um, it was just a quick note, and I, was, I just kind of did a quick uh-oh and then never thought about it again. But Oh, there was one of the punt returns on the sideline. Yeah, he he, he kind of felt kind of awkward, too, where you were like, oh, that, that didn't look good. And that's the whole thing about having him return punch. You're still kind of going, to, oh, don't get hurt, don't get hurt, you know, but like – uh, it was good to see uh, Cedric Wilson step up. So it's 16-15. Seattle then drives. They're going to punt on fourth and four. Uh, and I thought this was the, the biggest play of the game. And I know there's a million biggest plays of this game because it was so back and forth. But Dak throws an interception to uh, Shaquille Griffin. And, and really, Shaquille Griffin made a great play. I think they had, they had worked Amari Cooper over the middle so much. Another nine-catch uh, nine game for Amari Cooper. But they had worked him over the middle on that slant route, more of a deep slant route or a post. You know, so many times, I think Shaquille Griffin, and I'm, by so many times, I mean this season. Um, and Shaquille Griffin, it looked like that was based off some tape watching because uh, he read it and got the interception. And then before uh, before the half, uh, Seattle was able to score again. Uh, Tyler Lockett, one-yard touchdown pass on the crossing route, made it 23-15. I thought that was a terrible, terrible pick for Dak. Uh, Dak was pretty good yeah. yesterday, but man, that was just such a huge play in this game. I feel like you're allowed to have one throw like that in every six to eight not, games. Not with this defense, and, and that's and that's what he's had. That was his first interception in 292 passes, which is a Cowboys record. And um, the previous record holder was Troy Aikman. He had the next two highest, and then the fourth highest in Cowboys history is another Dak Prescott run, like. You're going to have some plays like and, and, and believe me, like I know there was there was the one late. I mean, I think he was just trying to make something happen. I mean, it was they were in pretty a dire situation there on third and long anyway, late in the game in the last few seconds. But then there was obviously the one two where um, 
it ended up the ball ended up popping straight up and Gallup got it near the sideline. You know, I mean, so there's going to be plays like that. But it's funny because I tweeted out that stat going into the game, how he's got the record right now for. And there's these people in the comments like, yeah, but he's thrown some interceptable balls. And so I went back and I looked at who has the record and the record in the NFL is is Aaron Rodgers. It's a little over 400. And in the first story I read about him when that rec when his when his record came to an end, there was a play right before I think he even got what the record was where he threw it right in the chest to somebody and they just dropped it. And Rogers said, like, after the game, like, no, you're not going to go this long without throwing some interceptable passes that people are just going to have to drop. I mean, you're not going to throw 292 passes straight like Dak has and not have an interception. Now, obviously, that was a bad one, bad time in the game. I mean, if anybody that's followed me on Twitter knows I've, I've really put this out there a lot that Mike McCarthy just keeps harping on. He loves to score right going into the half and he loves coming out of the half uh, scoring. That's why they will always defer if they win the toss. They do not. It's very anti opposite of what Jason Garrett was. Jason Garrett wanted the ball, get a lead and then build off of that. Mike McCarthy would rather kick, get it to end the first half and then get the ball again to start the second half. Analytics from what he says, prove out that that's a huge swing. If you're able to do that in, in your percentage of chance of winning games, and so to throw that there, and then as we'll get into, then start with a, you know a turnover in the second half, just that's that's not great. I mean, those are those are two plays right there that were not great on, on Dak Prescott's part. But if you yeah. think Dak Prescott is the reason they lost that game, <laughs> that's laughable. No, it's it's pretty. I mean, and that's just the thing. There, there's always the Dak critics are consistently going to just put every loss on him. It doesn't matter how the rest of the game it doesn't matter that yesterday he throws for you know almost 500 yards and 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 the funny thing is you know even on the final play the discussion from you know the DAC critics was all about ah yeah of course he throws it away at the end throws that interception like not even mentioning the fact that like uh he like shook out of like a sack and made some miracle play to even like stand up and try and make something happen there but uh yeah that was that was a rough throw. The one that he, I, I thought he was just late on it. I thought he was late on delivering the throw. He should have let it go earlier. If he let it to go earlier, I don't think Shaquille Griffin picks that off. Um, yeah. And so I, I think that it was more just about a timing thing. I don't even necessarily think it was like a bad throw. I just think he was late on letting it go. And it was, it was on him. That interception was hundred percent on him, but I, I do. I'm a little curious, John, you know, you just read off those numbers. I couldn't help but notice that you didn't mention nine God in there anywhere as, as the longest streaks in franchise history. So I don't think your numbers are right. Well, I mean, Hey, that's what Romo was known for throwing interceptions. Oh gosh. You just saying Romo. I got so many chills. Uh, <laughs> Bobby, Bobby and I have, have this thing, especially on Twitter where he likes to point out anything Romo related because Bobby is, Bobby's a little bit like uh, a video I tweeted out yesterday during the Eagles game. And there's this kid in the playground, and he's just on the swing having yeah, a good time. That is there's me. a massive fire going on, like over his shoulder. And if you turn the sound on, you can literally hear the fire crackling behind. Massive fire, just taking out houses. And this kid's just having a great that time. Kid, that kid, 100% set the fire. And that kid, that kid is Bobby Belt. Like he loves yes. to watch the fire in the background and just sit on his swing. So he likes to stir stuff up on Twitter by bringing up Romo because most of the people that are critical about Dak talk about Romo would have done this and Romo would have done that. Obviously, if you follow Tony Romo's career, as as great as he was at times, he obviously threw a, no, a critical no, interception no, no. He here was, and there. He was the goat. There's no sarcasm there. I thought Jeff Heath was the goat. We could use that goat back, right? Yes. 
Bobby was driving in the left lane of a five-lane five lane freeway and just said, you know what, I'm going to swerve over here without using a blinker and run over Romo real quick in the right lane. <laughs> just keep it going up the road. No, he did that. No, I just, I'm, I'm saying I really think you, got, you guys just need a stronger research department because somebody's got to fact check John. There's no way Romo's not one of the four longest streets. Second half begins, down 23-15. Jerron Reed just murders Connor Williams. And uh, Jerron Reed then uh, hits Dak. Dak fumbles. Uh, Seahawks get it. They score with the pass to Hollister, the old store in the mall. Uh, 30-15 yeah. to 15, Seattle at that point. Uh, and again, two huge turnovers again right there. And I think to me overall, that's the story of the game. It's a one-score game. and Terrible was, coverage by Abercrombie on that, though. Horrible. Dude, Abercrombie's <laughs> got to get – Hey, where was the safety help from Fitch? <laughs> You know, um, yeah. From Hot Topic, can only count on Abercrombie. Never Fitch. Never. Y'all see that the American Eagles tie yesterday? The Bengals they tied the Bengals. So thirty fifteen. Now it's now getting uh, the pressure cookers up a little bit in the third quarter. Fourth and inches. Zeke uh, gets a first down barely, um, and then uh, on a on which four- that was ridiculous. By the way, you need to just, if you are worried about your offensive. I don't know why. If you need an inch. You're bothering to take the time to turn around and hand it off and allow penetration. Why is Dak not just falling just forward on that? Quarterback sneak it. Every team in the league, besides maybe the Chiefs that met Pat Mahomes after what happened to his knee last year, just the giant, quarterback the sneak Giants it. and the Cowboys. Those are the only two. The Jason oh, Garrett and Mike McCarthy. Drives me insane. Drives me insane. Um, you know, then uh, you know we got to a point where Dak kind of became check down guy. And that's because Seattle was dialing up the blitzes. And at that point, after that drive, and the Cowboys had to punt down 30-15, to 15, the Cowboys would come back in, and they've put Zach Martin at right tackle, Joe Looney at right guard, and uh, Tyler Biotish, the rookie, at center. And from then on out, pretty, pretty good job. It looked like that made some differences on the offensive line. And I immediately just couldn't stop thinking about that is something, and I don't know if this was McCarthy's decision or Kellen Moore's decision or whoever. Joe Philbin. Joe Philbin. That's something that I don't think you would have seen under Jason Garrett's regime. Uh, so a after- big-time in-game adjust- uh, adjustment, which involves moving your Hall of Fame right guard out to right tackle. So after the game, Zach Martin did say that they have worked on that a little bit in practice just in case. Cool. Um, and it is important to remember that Zach Martin – that's all he was at Notre Dame during his four yeah. years was an offensive tackle. Mostly, almost all a left tackle, but still, he was an offensive tackle. The, the big knock on him was the uh, questionable arm length, and that's the only reason why he was projected to be more of a guard. And And so, here's the thing. I think Zach Martin, if he, if he was going to play offensive tackle his entire career, he probably would be one of the better offensive tackles. But at right guard, he's could be in the conversation one of the greatest right guards that have ever played the game. So it's like it just knocks him up a notch. But obviously, if you watch that game, he didn't have very much trouble kicking out to right tackle. Looney moves into right guard, which he's obviously used to playing on the interior. And then I, I thought, I mean, again, I, I didn't get to watch the all 22 is now. I, I didn't think that Tyler Biotish was was bad. I thought he had a pretty solid game. But I could be wrong. I mean, I'm, no, I'm just no. going off of watching the game off TV, you know. Uh, yeah. No, I think I think that there's – I think everything looked a lot more solidified as soon as you got Terrence Steele out of the game. And yeah. I cannot for the life of me – as much as we want to give them credit, and, and it's good to say they, they made the right decision in, in making the adjustment, you got to think they made this adjustment 
you know, two quarters into this game, but it's 10 quarters into the season. I do not understand why Terrence Steele has been allowed to be in this lineup for three weeks now, seemingly wrecking games. Um, and I think that, uh, and I don't mean that like, you know, in the uh, childish, like he wrecked the game set. Like, I mean, literally like the football sense of a game wrecker. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, I don't understand why he was able to be in there as long as he was. I thought Biotish came in and played well. Um, I thought Zach Martin, obviously, yeah, we got to look at the all 22, but I thought Zach Martin at right tackle looked like really good. And it was actually kind of fun to watch him out there on that island and, and see him in sort of a more typical uh, tackle position, you know, kind of kick sliding and, and, and engaging with those defensive ends. So, uh, yeah, I thought that overall that freed some things up. And I don't know about you guys, but it did have me wondering after the game. I was like, I wonder how different this game is if, if Zach Martin just starts the game at right tackle and Biotis starts at center and, and Joe Looney starts at right guard. Is there any – is this team any better off with that lineup in the first half? It, does that make any impact on the end I, result? I think I think absolutely it does. I think you would still have breakdowns. And we saw some breakdowns kind of late in the game when Seattle's three-man rush started demolishing guys, but the guys were tired and they had been fighting their ass off to get back in the game. But it, you know, one thing that was a very uh, telling sign. So after that's 30 to 15 and they're punting and then they make this adjustment and they get the ball back because another Alden Smith sack is third of the day, you know, they get the ball back. So another big stop for the defense to keep you in the game. And then they hit a gallop on a big play in which Dak had time to really, you know, launch the ball. And that's something he hadn't had the prior two possessions where he fumbled and then the next possession where they moved a little bit and then Dak just didn't have time to even look 10 yards down the field. And he was dumping it off to Zeke every time. He just didn't have time. So, you know, that that to me was a big difference in the game. Dak hit Gallup for 52 yards. Uh, Michael Gallup was a grown man yesterday. And then the 42-yard touchdown pass to Cedric Wilson again – and compared to Gallup and Cooper and uh, CeeDee Lamb, Cedric Wilson looks so slow just to the naked eye, but uh, a huge play. And then the Cowboys down by 15. Well, well, and, and I do want to say, I think that ranks up there as potentially like one of the top five to 10 Dak throws in his career was that laser he threw to Cedric Wilson. I've not, I don't think I've, uh, that reminded me so much of like the way Brett Favre used to like break guys' fingers because that thing, you could hear it on the TV broadcast, just like pop right into Cedric Wilson's hands. Like, Dak put some real heat on that throw. That was one of the more impressive throws I think he had yesterday. So it was 30 to 15 and that score makes it 30 to 21. We did this last week. Now again, we are late in the fourth and in, uh, in the third quarter at this point. So it's not in the fourth quarter. Late in the third quarter, McCarthy chooses to go for one this week instead of going for two. Any issues or discussions that you guys have had about that? I I I, I thought but it's not a big deal. I saw, I mean, I saw a lot of the, like, uh, first person I think I saw was uh, Dick Eatman make the sarcastic comment of like, oh, I thought you want to know as early as possible. Uh, I, I I think I understand. I was in favor both times. I was in favor last week of going for it, going for two at the time he did. And I was in favor of not going for two yesterday because I think it's a little bit different circumstances because it is still the third quarter. And Bye. I think that, I, th- I think, I think more what the question was there was you want to go for it then so you know what you need because you're talking about literally you're down to like one or two more possessions. And whereas, you know, you're assuming more like three or four at the time they decided not to go for it yesterday. So I, I think in general, I'm in favor of what they've done both times. I don't, I don't have a problem with either one. I can literally be talked into either of them. I don't think that they're so egregious that you're just, how can you do that in that situation? I'm fine with either one. Um, 
it doesn't make a, a huge difference to me. One thing I wanted to add, though, earlier when you were talking about the offensive line, one of the reasons that they they stuck with what they were doing going in this game is because they're big on, and most teams are like this, they believe in having that cohesive group. Let's have these guys play together as much as possible. And then when Lyle Collins comes back, you can just pull out Terrence Steele, put Lyle in, and everybody else stays in their spot. Then when Tyron comes back, you move out Brandon Knight, and then you move Tyron back in. Here's the issue with that. It seems like Tyron will be ready to come back this this upcoming week. But even though Lyle Collins is coming off of IR technically, we don't know that he's going to come back for this week. Mike McCarthy hasn't really said much about it. When we are out at practice for the early portion, you have seen some guys out on the resistant cords working to get back in. Generally, what that means is that they're getting closer. We've seen Tyron Smith out there. We've seen Randy Gregory out there. He obviously couldn't, can't play in the first six games, but you've seen other players out there. Ventel Bryant's another guy that's an IR that we've seen out there. We have not seen Lyle Collins at all during any portion of that. Now, that now that doesn't mean that he isn't ready to come back, but I just find it interesting that he hasn't been out there at all. So I don't know that you can just say, oh, he's, he's off the three-week IR. He's ready to go week four. Here you go. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because I can't rule out that maybe this next game, Zach Martin doesn't start at right tackle and they go with Biotish at center, Joe Looney at right guard, even with, you know, moving Tyron Smith back in and Knight out. I and mean, there's always the possibility that maybe they move Knight to right tackle. They do like Brandon Knight. I think he's been solid uh, in, in his time filling in for Tyron Smith. Um, but I'm just putting that on everyone's radar yeah, that no. this, this look that what we saw in this game, that might not just be just for, you know, an in-game situation. It might be something we see next week against the Browns as well. No, I know. I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, there is going to be a cloud of mystery around Tyron and Lyle. I, I, that's not going away. And that's just kind of the way the Cowboys are choosing to do things now is by I, keeping things quiet. I, I want to. I want to know what it's going to take for Connor McGovern to get on the field. That's bothering well, this, me this. This staff didn't draft him. I mean, Will McClay drafted him. Uh, Stephen Jones might have been a part of drafting him, but this coaching staff did not draft him, and I think there's something there. Um, and until he's making improvements, and like Tristan Hill has, Tristan Hill earned a spot this year. You know, he's earned a spot with this play, uh, and we'll talk about him Tristan. in a little bit. Justin Hill also probably earned a nut punch from an opponent next week after they watch him roll. Uh, yeah. Cards. <laughs> yeah. I don't think JC Treader of the Browns is going to be a big fan of, uh, of that. Um, but I think like uh, Connor McGovern, like what has he done? And it's hard to know because this, as we've talked about, we're not getting to see practices out at, uh, uh, during training camp and, and during the week, we're not getting to see him really do anything. So it's hard to even know. I mean, you might not even know Connor McGovern from the Milkman at this point. Um, and I say that he is a generic. I don't. I mean, he is a generic looking guy if you see him in the locker room. By the way, it took about uh, five weeks last year before I even realized. Oh, that's Connor McGovern. I just thought he was like you know a practice squad. He's a generic man. looking six five, three hundred twenty five pound guy. I'm just saying he he yeah he doesn't stand out as like looking any different from any other person in that locker room is what I'm I just remember talking to him last year and, and he talked about how you know he kind of you know just hit the ground running when he got to Penn State like got a lot of playing time right from the beginning and then pretty much stayed in that starting lineup throughout the rest of his career and that that was his goal last year was to get in to win that left guard starting job and really not to look back to be their starting left guard and beat out Connor Williams and you know he tore that he had that pectoral muscle injury and then they got worse during the preseason and he essentially had a red shirt year. And you're right. We haven't seen anything from him, even in training camp. Like I never saw him really go with the ones. I'm sure there was a snap here or there where they worked him in, but nothing that stood out to me. So no, it's a good point, KT. It, it, it is interesting just because of 
how high the previous staff was was on him. And I know you've mentioned on here before how they had a higher grade on him than they had on Tristan Hill. Well, since you're buddies with him, ask him why he's not playing. Oh, we're not allowed in the locker room, okay? So, no, I know, but you got his cell phone. Just text him. Ask him why right, he's give not me playing. A second. Okay, John's going to dump His number is 972. KT, before we move on, i got to remind our listeners to drink Pepsi. Yes. Make sure you're stocked up on Pepsi every single game day to get ready to watch the Dallas Cowboys. This football season is going to be different, but Pepsi is here to get you ready for every game day, no matter how or where you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Back to you, Kevin. So so then it's a 30-22, Cowboys get another stop. Defense gets another huge stop. And really that, that whole territory from the third quarter to this first possession, the fourth quarter, three straight possessions of the Cowboys getting stops was huge and forcing punts. Dak misses Blake Bell on third and one with an overthrow, and it's fourth and one. Oh. And the old option keeper where Dak keeps it and barely gets ahead, gets the first down, and then he hits – Michael Gallup on a 43-yard bomb ski up the left sideline. A great play. A great job by Michael Gallup as well to get open and uh, a really beautiful throw. Makes it 30-28. Time to go for two. A little out route to Noah Brown. And he stopped short at the sticks at the one-yard line. But just kind of what Seattle does. Just a good tackling team for the most part. So 30-28. to And it's almost like Mike McCarthy wanted to show everyone that, see, if I did what you guys wanted me to do last week, it wouldn't have worked. Um, yeah, guys, we don't have any good two plays, two point plays. So that's why we don't do them. <laughs> you saw what we've done. Um, so with all those weapons, let's let just say this. I mean, you add in Cedric Wilson, Noah Brown's been solid. Like, yeah. there's so many weapons there. You would think that there was just, and again, it probably goes back to them not having the, a regular off season to work on a lot of that stuff and, and have some go to plays down there, but. There are so many offensive weapons that they have there. Plus, with the option to, you know, do some of the read option stuff we've seen it so many times in the past with Dak and Zeke. They, I mean, the playbook has to be wide open down there. It, it's actually surprising that they haven't gotten one of these. Now, you know, law averages I think is roughly around fifty percent. Maybe, maybe they're they're about to get theirs going forward. But uh, I honestly, from on the TV copy, I thought Noah Brown got in on that second effort, but then they showed the replay and it looked like his knee was down. But yeah, that. Well, uh, yeah, that was tough. I, and I got to say, that's emblematic to me, what you saw there on that two-point conversion. And uh, we'll talk about it here in a sec, I know. But, like, it was it was emblematic to me of why, watching the final drive, I was like, man, I don't know how quickly I want this team getting down inside the 10. Because it looks like they have – the shorter the field gets, the more that offense has no clue. I'm like, oh, we don't know how to design this. It's like they need space to be effective. They need to be able to have 20, 30 yards in front of them to get the sort of play design that they want. The shorter the field gets, the more clueless they seem to be. And that's why it's so frustrating. It seems like how they can't design a, a three yards to go or shorter uh, pass play. It seems like to save their life. And and that goes back to last year and then into this year. So I, I got, I mean, I got to imagine that's a Kellen Moore play design thing. That he and just the, yeah. Design on a short field. Yeah. And these are things we thought Kellen might, Take a step ahead. Now, granted, it's I'm glad it's not Linehan, and there's some pretty good designs that they've had. Hey, hey, they would run those running back screen passes great if Linehan was still here. 
I will say that. <laughs> they did do those very well. With Terrence Steele? I hey, don't know. Come on. You know, he's not a magician, that Scott Lenahan. He's, he's just a mere man. Ten minutes left. His brother-in-law was Jesus in the movie Passion of the Christ, Jim Caviezel. Uh, ten minutes left in the fourth quarter. Seattle's got a third and four. And similar to what they did last week on, on a third and short in the New England game where they threw a bomb, Russ bombs it up for DK Metcalf, and it's broken up by a Trevon Diggs. I personally thought Trevon Diggs got away with pass interference there. I thought, I thought he had his hands all over DK Metcalf, but you'll take the break, and the Cowboys then get the ball at their own five. Let me, let me tell you, this is what goes on in Seattle. I know they don't have the Legion of Boom anymore, but uh, you get real handsy in the secondary, and you force the refs to have to make that call all the time, and they're not going to call it every time. I mean, literally, that's Richard Sherman and those guys did that for a long time, where it was like they played super physical on that back end. I'm not saying this is obviously any uh, a defensive backfield that's anywhere like that, but I just that think that. That is what you're saying. Whenever I see Seattle, I always just think about that. Like they would literally be like, "All right, refs, call this on every single play. Let's see, let's see if you do it or not." So, and and, and in that game, you, I mean, you saw like they definitely called him on yeah. Jordan. Yeah, hit some times where he was grabbing. I think it was, it wasn't Metcalf. I think it was a couple times on Lockett. Just grabbed his hand. It was blatantly obvious. But there was other times where they got pretty handsy and they just like let it go. So it is one of those things. The refs aren't going to call it every single time, but uh, that was one that you got. You're talking about right here. That, that could have been called. It, it could have went either way. They didn't call it, but I also could make the argument on the one pass interference in the back of the end zone with, or actually it was, a, I think it was a holding between Brandon Carr and Greg Olson. That was weak. Yeah. Like that's another one where it's like, are you really going to call that down there? Like that seems, that seems like that that's kind of a weak call there. So it's like, I don't know. I, it's kind of a 50, 50 thing. I tend to think that stuff evens out over time, to be honest, uh, and yeah. throughout the course of a game for the most part. Um, you know, so the Cowboys have the ball at their own five. They're trailing 30 to 28. Uh, Dak throws a pass that bounces up, and Michael Gallup catches it. It should have been intercepted. Um, Immaculate I, I, reception. I don't know how that ball wasn't intercepted. Maybe because the player wasn't expecting it, you know, because he was, you know, he was down on his butt at the time. <laughs> well, at the very least, it should have been incomplete. Because as he bobbles it, it looks like it's about to hit the ground, and then he kicks it back up in the air, which it made it perfect for Gallup to just go in there and get it. I got to say, how many times yesterday, though, like that one was caught. Again, I think we're talking law of averages. Because it felt like there were like four other plays yesterday where the ball was almost caught in those bobble. Like Trayvon Diggs almost had an interception like that yesterday. It was in his arms, and it was like he was so stunned it got in his arms that he just kind of dropped it. And so, yeah, I think it was just law of average. We saw like five of them yesterday, so that was the one that had to be caught. The, uh, the Cowboys then cross midfield, 7.30 left. Um, and then we have, uh, with 4.20 left, it's third and four on the Seattle 26. And we get an encroachment on former Dallas Cowboy, Demontre Moore. All right. First yeah. and 10 on the 21. A little false start action. That happens, right? Uh, Tyre uh, Biotish. You know, the rookie, a little bit of growing pains there. So it's first and 15 now. Gets C.D. Lamb for two, setting up second and 13. Then he misses Noah Brown, third and 13. And then he misses Michael Gallup on the right sideline, setting up Greg the Leg Zerline. Legatron knocks it down from 42 yards. The Cowboys lead 31 to 30. They need the defense to have one last stand. I just didn't think that that uh, field goal was going to be enough there when that happened. There was too much time and just what Russell had done on, to that secondary, even though they had slowed him down a little bit in the second half. 
I just had the feeling like they were going to come back. And it was almost like one of those like, well, let them do what they do because you're going to need to come back and answer whatever they come up with. Um, man, those two balls along the sideline, the one to Noah Brown that, that didn't get completed, and then the one to Michael Gallup there. And and on the broadcast, Troy Aikman mentioned how Gallup has to give Dak more room. He got too close to the yeah. sideline there. There was enough room to make a play. But, man, you'd like to have that one back because uh, a touchdown there, it just it makes it a, a completely different game. So uh, that was tough there to sell for that field goal. I mean, obviously, you, you, you make that field goal, and then you go up and you take the lead. But against a guy that's probably the MVP front runner right now. It was just hard to believe that was going to be enough. This is, this, is, this is actually, you guys made me think of it, Casey, when you said Noah Brown, and you remember I referenced Noah Brown was in the final play later. So I was curious, I just opened up the snap counts here. Uh, would you believe that yesterday Noah Brown played more snaps than Blake Bell and Cedric Wilson? Um. Wow, 29 I snaps. It did not seem like he was on the field for 29 snaps. How many snaps did CeeDee Lamb play? Uh, let's look at that right now. CeeDee Lamb played 49, which is uh, less than Cooper's 65 and less than Gallup's 70. Yeah. Okay. Must, I, I got to think Lamb was banged up. Yeah, something that. happened. Uh, now, I, in my mind at that point, you know, I know the Cowboys hit the field goal. My mind was, okay, can we hold Seattle to a field goal? And then have time to go kick a field goal on the other end. Because there was definitely no doubt in your mind that you're going, okay, Seattle's probably going to score somehow. Even though the Cowboys defense had kept that game, had kept Seattle at 30 points since that very first you know, drive of the, fir- of the third quarter. You just, you've seen it too many times. Uh, and then that's where we go to Seattle. They end up converting a huge fourth and three at the Dallas 47 where they hit Greg Olson right over the middle for 11 yards. That was a very frustrating play because no one was really on Greg Olson at all. And uh, he was just wide open. It's his easiest, maybe one of the easiest conversions, you know, that Seattle had all day. And it came in crunch time. Uh, Yeah. And the replay, it looked like Xavier Woods took a step back. And then when he saw that he was like, that Olson was so wide open in front of him, then he went to make a move forward. But at that point it was just way too late. But for, that was going to be such a huge play right there. You got him in third and long. You got to you got to get a stop there. And 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 I can even get okay. It's a contested catch. He makes a tough grab. You know, long time, really good NFL tight end. But just to have a guy wide open in that situation, that's the part that I feel to me watching it that has to be the most disheartening. Yeah, no, and because you get that stop, all you've got to do is get a first down, and the game's over. You know, so. I mean, we're, we're talking, we were at the two minute warning, uh, the play after that. Maybe you had to get, would have had to get two first downs because I think Seattle had a, all of their timeouts. But, um, and then it's third and three, 155 left on the Dallas 29, and Russell hits DK Metcalf over the top. Just a little post route where DK Metcalf easily, uh, routed up Darian Thompson. I, I think Thompson saw it and just didn't react very fast. That's what I saw. Just watching the TV. Like, I don't know if I could put this on, blowing a coverage. I, I thought Thompson saw it. And I just think DK Metcalf, Metcalf is that good of an athlete. And I still think Darian Thompson's instincts are, are good enough to play full-time starting safety of this league. Personally. Which is weird. Cause he, he played at Boise state. Usually those guys, uh, the Cowboys are aware of how great their instincts. Are. Well, he, he, you know, Bobby, too, he was a highly drafted guy. He was, but, he was a top 100 pick, but he's a strong safety type. 
You know, I I don't think anyone saw him as a free safety type guy. Yeah, I I I honestly think I honestly think there's been too much uh, hate thrown Darian Thompson's way before Me yesterday. Too. I think I think he struggled yesterday, but I thought I thought overall I thought, I thought the first two weeks he was fine. Actually, I didn't think I thought it, he was giving you average safety play, and people were acting like he was a black hole. And well, I don't think that. asking him to play over the top in that situation is not playing to your player's strengths, though. So if that's on Mike Nolan, whatever, or if that's on that coverage, or if that's just Seattle dialing up the right thing at the right time, whatever. But Darian Thompson's weakness as a player is covering over the top in that situation. And with DK Metcalf, one of the best receivers in the game at this point, I, I think he's in the he's top 20 at least, right? We would probably may, maybe give him some run there. For him to run at just an explosive post route like that and to not even flip your hips and be able to get on top of it shows you how bad the Cowboys are at that position. They don't have anyone who could who could stop that. Xavier Woods is the guy you're hoping to stop that, and he wasn't there at the time. So, huge touchdown, 36-31. Seattle goes for two, and they don't get it at first, but there is a personal foul on Tristan Hill going helmet to helmet on Russell Wilson, and then Russ hits Hollister again on the play-action pass for the two-point conversion to make it 38-31. So, costly penalty right there, 38-31, and then... We go to the Cowboys' final drive. couple of check downs, and then Dak runs for six. Got about 115 left, and you're at the 47. Then they kind of cruised inside the Seattle 40. Dallas takes their first timeout. They've got first and 10 at the Seattle 39. Zeke runs for eight. I'll take another timeout. Okay, so- and that's that right there. Stopping on that just really quickly. Zeke picked up about two extra yards in favor of just getting to the sideline and getting out of bounds and wasted a second timeout. I thought that was an awful – that didn't get enough conversation, I feel like, after the game. You wasted a timeout there. I didn't think – watching that, and this is just me, Bobby, I'm going to disagree with you there. I didn't think Zeke had enough juice well, to get to the sidelines. Just well, watching well, gonna, I, I will have to go back. I'm going to look at it. But I remember that was my first – I've not watched it back yet, but I remember my first impression was – he can get to the sideline and he tried to get upfield for two extra. I think that was your first impression because you're just trying to blame this whole game on Zeke. <laughs> hey, I mean, you know, that's that's probably unfair of me. I mean, you expect a guy with 26 combined targets and carries, I guess, to get more than two yards per touch slash target uh, when you pay him $90 million over the next six years. But, you know, I, I have unreasonable expectations. We know where Bobby stands on Prop 21. Um <laughs> Second two at the Seattle. I mean, I mean is, is anybody going to dispute Ezekiel Elliott was just dis- dis- like flat out a bad football player yesterday? It was yeah, not it his wasn't best good. game. The most concerning was thing was, you know, Dak Dak throwing to Zeke in space and him just flat out dropping balls in space where you know usually he can get in the open field and get something out of it. He just like I don't know if he has the yips or something. I, I have, it's, it's I just this, weird. I had, I had this talk with Philip Tanner last week a little bit on social media. Who Philip Tanner had obviously the old Cowboys running back was. Oh, look at me! I'm friends with no, Philip no, Tanner. It was, it was on the timeline. That was not. <laughs> that's not a flex. Come on, John. Stop. You're the one talking about how you text Connor McGovern all the time. So I don't want to hear it from you. Now, uh, Phil, but Philip Tanner was I was pushing back against something I had said about Zeke last week, where he said, "Come on, even when he's not, you know, got this or that, he has these." impact runs and he's he's you know he it juices the team up the way he like you know you don't have any idea how much it lifts guys up when they see him like roll over a linebacker or whatever my point was like even yesterday you were getting none of that he was going down on first contact yesterday he was dropping passes 
he got blown up a couple times in pass pro. He was overall solid there. But, I mean, geez, like you're paying him $90 million and he's playing – he missed two snaps yesterday. I think he's playing like 98% of the snaps so far this year. You, He's killing you these last two weeks. Yeah. And as the- Were you talking about Zeke or Demarcus Lawrence? Oh, gosh. Or Jalen Smith. We can talk about any of them like that. Demarcus Lawrence, by the way – uh, on the year now, is uh, for, through three weeks, has played uh, fewer than 50% of the team's snaps. Well, as an aside, I texted my old friend Victor Butler just to see what's going on with Jalen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> name dropper. <laughs> I knew God, you were going to bring God. it up. Yeah, I know you and Victor have been close for a long uh, time. Bobby Carpenter on speed dial over here. To... <laughs> oh, yeah. Get, get Kent going on those Mexican vacations with Romo, chills, and uh, Bobby Carpenter. <laughs> All right, uh, all right. If you guys want to keep raising the stakes, I'll call Stephen McGee right now. Oh, oh wow! I'm more, a, I'm more of an Alex Seven God. I'm more of an Alex Tanny guy. Um, you always were. Yeah, he's still yeah, we, ball through a hula a, hoop all, right now. We've all said that about KT. They're like that's KT's reputation on Twitter. It's like, oh, there's that Alex Tanny guy. He won't ever shut the hell up about Alex Tanny. Those were the dumbest. And, hey, to be th- honest with you, all the names that we just dropped, by far the best one in this entire in this entire podcast is still Bobby. Early on, <laughs> pulling out Robert Turbin. I did not, I did not see that. See that hey, hey, yeah, I don't think anybody remembered Robert. Tur- there was the another one. Old too. Turbo. I, I that's impressive. They 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 brought in somebody else too. It was Turbin, Kristen Michael, and somebody else, but I can't remember who the other one was. Those are the dumbest days at Valley Ranch when the team's practicing and on the side, Alex Tanny's lit a hula hoop on fire and he's just throwing <laughs> footballs through it. Like, why is this happening? And Jerry's loving it. Um, okay, so it's second and seven, very seriously, and uh, Cedric Wilson for fourteen. Cedric Wilson, a huge clutch catch, first and ten at the twenty-six. All right, you're down thirty-eight, thirty-one. And then this is where you saw the offensive line not be able to handle it. Um, Dak got sacked at the 26, forcing a third and 14. They had to take that timeout. And then on the final play, you know, I think 95% of the quarterbacks in this league get sacked there. You know, maybe Josh Allen uh, or Sam Darnold, those big tanks. You know, maybe those guys are able to escape that thing. And uh, or Mahomes. And Dak somehow gets out of it. Or Romo looks at something Romo would have got up. And Dak, you know, just kind of panicked and, and launched it in the end zone. But the fact that a ball even was thrown, I think, was was seen I, as a win in that situation. But it's picked off by Seattle. Game over. Seahawks 38, Cowboys 31, and the Cowboys are 1-2. and two. John John's tweet yesterday was so accurate, which was when he got out of that stack and I saw him cocking back, I was like, Oh my, this is a touchdown. Like I had no doubt in my mind when I saw him loading up, I was like, Dak is, there's no way this play is going to be saved and something incredible is not going to happen. This has to be a touchdown. And just, I thought of that play in, in New York where he found Gold yes. Beasley in the back of same the end sort zone. Of, same sort of way that he, he got out of a sack. Same sort of play. And, and there just was something about it where I was like, is he really about to pull this off? And like, just think about if he does, like what what's being talked about today. Because it's not only does he pull off this miraculous comeback, but he does it against a guy in Russell Wilson, who everyone looks at is, like I said, the MVP front runner. Uh, it would just be wild. I, I personally like again, you know, you're watching on TV, so you don't see what's going on in the end zone. I thought maybe somebody was open just because of the fact that not only did it look like he was about to get stacked, he stumbled for a minute, not a minute, but like a second or two. So like, yeah, it's like he thought he saw something. And yeah, exactly. And when he got up, I, I was like one of those things where like, hey, maybe there was like a missed coverage on the back end. But then I was like, well, no, he's not throwing against the Cowboys 
defensive backfield. So there's probably not a missed coverage on the back end. So there was nobody wide open, um, which maybe there are in practice when he runs those plays. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of is, uh, and I know John doesn't watch movies or whatever. Um, yes, I do. Okay, whatever. I don't like that reputation. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, like it reminded me, and this isn't a movie. It reminded me of that famous clip from Fresh Prince of Bel Air where Carlton like throws up. Have the seen shot. every episode. Okay, yes, where Carlton. So throw- stop with this blasphemy. Carlton throws up the shot from half court and like it's ball Carlton, <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, this is going. To-. And then it's like seeing the Seahawks defenders all clustered when the camera panned over was similar to watching the ball hit like, or go over the backboard or whatever, like Carlton when he was shooting. But that's what it reminded me of. was like the, oh, wow, something big. It's like, oh, no, okay, the camera panel. But you didn't uh, mention it there, KT. I do got to say, I think the key play on that drive, I mean, you referenced it, but we didn't dive into it all. I don't understand why 35 seconds left. It was not a check down or anything else. 35 seconds left. They went and designed another damn screenplay. Yeah. Eating 40. I don't understand what the hell that call was. That was the worst call of the day to me. Was it now? Is that, is that the one with when Looney got the? Yes, yeah. There was there was there was a penalty downfield. Yeah, penalty that there was no play there. But I mean, you're you're at the Seattle thirty three with thirty five seconds left, and you're calling a screen pass, and, and you need it, a touchdown. I don't understand. And I just with both guys like Bobby Wagner and and even KJ Wright on the field, I just don't that doesn't work well. Like we we haven't seen what Seattle. We've been watching this Seattle team play for a long time, right? Uh, they don't give up a lot of screen passes. You know, they 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 are very smart team defensively for the most part. Even though they've got big time coverage, uh, you know, holes in their coverage. I think where where you could get them, I thought was was either over the middle, uh, over the deep middle, or or deep on the outside. And you know, I don't know if trying to run a misdirection thing or a screen pass to try to fool Bobby Wagner is, is the best way to go in that situation. I just, yeah. I wonder if they kept going back to stuff like that too, at least late when we're sitting there. Okay, this hasn't worked all game. I'm wondering maybe they go back to it late because on that last drive there was no Jamal Adams out there, yeah, no and that point. was a huge loss for Seattle. Um, so maybe that you know you got a new guy coming in there filling in for. I mean, the guy that made the interception on that very last play is a guy that I think was just on the practice squad. So I mean, Seattle's been banged up too. And so I think maybe they were trying to take advantage of something like that. I don't know. I'm just trying to give them a benefit of the doubt. They don't deserve any benefit of the doubt at this point. But I will say, yesterday okay. with the, we talked about the uh, – I, I mentioned the when the field – Fair enough. They seem to have their issues designing plays. I was just looking this up while we were on here. Um, Dak and the Cowboys, they are tied now for the most 20-yard pass plays in the NFL. They're tied with Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills of all teams. Uh, they have 18. And that's the most. And yesterday, Dak had nine 20 yard pass plays, which is obscene. Yeah. Uh, but then you look over on the other side of the ball, Dallas is allowing the third most 20 yard pass plays. They've given up 14 this year, which is Jeez. third most in the NFL. Uh, oh, there's better days ahead for this offense. Like, as, as much as I know people are probably coming into this game or coming off of this game saying, oh, they're down one and two, and, and uh, you know, they should have won at least one of these other games, they should be two and one. I, I don't buy into all that. I, I mean, the defense obviously has its issues and they need to be fixed. And and that's, there's genuine, I understand why people would be worried on that. But offensively, this offense this, is just scratching the surface. If they can keep these receivers healthy, this offense is going to put up a lot of yards and it's going to put up a lot. Of I, I mean, I, I'm heading into every game and this is wild to think about when you think back like to Dak's first two seasons. You come into every game now. The expectation is Dak is coming into this game throwing for a minimum of 300 yards. I think that's the way people are looking at it now. Is that you look at Dak should be able to get 300, and if things are clicking for this team, he should be able to get four. 
And I mean, it, it, it seems really easy for them to pick up chunks of yards and get down the field. But, you know, if they're going to give up those chunks on the other side, which they're routinely doing, that's going to kill them. And then if they're in getting those chunks, they get inside the 10 and can't come up with the right designs to score touchdowns. They're, they've got a lot of a lot of issues. I was talking to somebody yesterday in the league, and they had described Dallas the offense the best way, I think. They said they are explosive and wildly inconsistent. Yeah. explosive is the term you use for them. They're, they're not necessarily a great offense. They're an explosive offense, and there's a lot of inconsistencies there on that side of the ball still right now. Did Philip Tanner say that? No. I'll, no. <laughs> okay. I said for, in the league, not formally in the league. Not for, I love Philip Tanner. I'm just so before we get out of here, and we'll just quickly, what's, uh, we'll start with you, John. Number one takeaway or kind of thing from either the, this weekend or in the couple days ahead before our next podcast. So one, one big takeaway that's kind of on your mind. I think Earl Thomas could really help this team. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, no. Um, I, the secondary, I just, I didn't, ex- I didn't have high hopes for it. I just didn't think it'd be quite this bad. And I don't know that it improved from the previous week. And that's the biggest thing you want to see is improvement from week to week. Um, I just feel like they're in such a good spot with Alden Smith being this guy that, you really didn't have to invest much. You really didn't know what he was going to be. And you have a guy that could potentially lead the league in sacks. And then on opposite of him, you have Everson Griffin and Demarcus Lawrence. Like, better days should be ahead for that defensive front. And if you can get healthy at linebacker and you get healthy in the secondary and they can improve from week to week, I think the defense can be okay. But if they're going to be every week we watch them, they're leaving guys running around, nobody within 10 yards of them. You know, this is like I said, I still think they can win the East. The East is just terrible, but I just don't think that you're beating any of the good teams, the teams that it's going to take you to beat to make a a playoff run. And so, um, you know, offensively, I think they're fine. Like I just said, I, I, I think that with all, I didn't think that we were going to see this type of production quite yet from, from Cedric Wilson and really even Noah Brown from, that perspective just because I thought everything was going to be about those top three receivers, but seeing them step in like that. Um, I know Ezekiel Ali didn't have a good game, but I, I still think that I, I <laughs> you've made that very clear, Bobby. Um, but I, but I think even with him, I think I don't, I don't look at it as like, he's some liability. Like I think that he's played pretty well up until that point. Like I, I, I think that they're, they're fine on that offensive side of the ball. If they can get some continuity across the offensive line, you know what you have in Dak, like, they're going to put up points. They should be in all of these games. Uh, you know, it's 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 one and two. Yeah, it's not what you want, but I don't I don't know. Like I think these next three games are really going to tell you a lot. They're all at home. You know, you should probably get at least two wins there, and then we'll then reassess. But I don't think this is time right now to all of a sudden say, "Oh my God, McCarthy is just Jason Garrett part two. This isn't going to be anything different. It's just going to be the exact same thing." Like, give it some time. Like, like. As long as they can get some relative health there, I think this is going to be one of the better teams in the NFC. Right, quickly, Bobby, one uh, takeaway from the weekend or something you're looking forward to in the, in the next couple of days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think first off, watching Zach Martin at right tackle yesterday, I just kept thinking, like, man, what if Romo would have had that throughout his whole career? I mean, how good he, would he have been? But the other thought I had was that when you look at uh, – I, I think genuinely you're just playing to be – I think you're looking to survive to week eight basically that that we're not going to really understand who this team is until week eight, because then you hopefully are going to get Sean Lee back Leighton Vanderish. You're going to start getting some health in the secondary. 
the offensive line will start getting a little healthier. Dalton Schultz seems to be coming on quicker than I think people were expecting after watching him struggle as much as he did in week one. Um, I think you'll start figuring out your rotations a little bit better. To me, you get Randy Gregory back not long after that. To me, it's just survive until week eight, figure things out, and then when you get your full arsenal of weapons, start finding out who you really are. But you have to survive until week eight. You can't run Terrence Steele back out there again next week to have Miles Garrett, you know, get matched up across from him and kill Dak Prescott. Kent, anything uh, on your mind for the weekend or the or the next couple days? The only thing that came to mind yesterday during the game was, first off, if if C.D. Lamb had had the game that Cedric Wilson had had yesterday, we'd be losing our collective minds right now. <laughs> uh, but you know, I think it's funny that receivers tend to have games like this for the Cowboys. And you never hear from them again. So we'll see if Cedric Wilson can build off this. You know, I think people probably tend to bet on the long term game for uh, CD Lamb, and I'm I'm okay with that. But uh, it's just funny how how people kind of kind of write off uh, Cedric Wilson's con- contribution to that that performance, even though they did lose the game. And um, and so yeah, that, that's probably my main takeaway. Other than you know, I don't know if uh, if Kai would have missed those extra points. Uh, KT. Yeah. Ooh, oh, ooh. Forbath. Hey, always on Kent's mind, Kai Forbath. C- C- Cedric Wilson, by the way, no one else, you can't Google these photos, so nobody else would agree with this, but I think all y'all have been in the locker and seen Cedric Wilson wearing his glasses. Uh, you cannot tell me that Cedric Wilson wearing those glasses and the suits that he wears in the locker room looks anything other than like a young Malcolm X. I just want to point that out. He does. That's a good observation. So everyone listening to this podcast will now go Google Cedric Wilson. But, well, that's what I mean. The photos don't exist, so nobody's oh, okay. going to go, okay. there are no pictures of him actually wearing glasses. Well, I'll find take one. Take the photo. I'll figure it out. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll figure. I'll, I'll text Philip Tanner see if he has any photos. My quick takeaway is that this division is so clearly winnable. Uh, I don't know how much you guys watched the Eagles and the Bengals yesterday. Carson Wentz is a mess. That team is a disaster right now. The Giants are a disaster right now. Is they let Nick Mullins throw on them yesterday a little bit. Um, obviously, the Washington football team, who played Cleveland yesterday, uh, is a bit of a mess. Uh, the division is so clearly winnable. And, and quite frankly, the conference is kind of yours for the taking, too. I don't know if this is a, a one seed we're talking about, but man, if you watched that it's game not. last night, the Packers and the Saints, Drew Brees, the dead arm is there. He can't throw it 25 yards down the field, no matter what he says. He just can't do it. And defenses are eventually going to learn. The Packers' amount of weapons, if someone gets hurt, is a little confusing. Like, what is going to happen to San Francisco when they get healthy? But, you know, Seattle, I think, has, has proven themselves. What about a Cowboys-Packers NFC Championship game? That'd be great, but, I mean, who stops Seattle? You know, I mean, Seattle's defense can be scored upon, but right now I, I think I, Seattle's got to be the seen. Game, after the game, Demarcus Lawrence said, we're going to see them again. So well, I hope he's we ready see, to see and, Seattle and, and again. Marcus Lawrence historically is usually saying things that are 100% on and don't get anybody in trouble or come off looking stupid. Yeah, he, he's known as the Nostradamus of the Cowboys locker room. Yeah, I do got to say, I love that the, uh, the whole hashtag hot boys thing seems to have just been like, yeah, maybe we should kill that this year. I don't know. No, he was wearing a mask with it on there. He was wearing a hot boys yeah. mask. He was wearing a mask, but I, mean, but, it's, it, but it's, I mean, we're not hearing it repeated all the time. Yeah. I don't think anymore. I don't think people want to hear that right now. Um, I will say, I mean, criticism of Demarcus Lawrence, it, it's understandable at this point. I mean, for not just take away what he's getting paid. Just, I still the think type he's of played play, well. The player that he is though, I do think he's been, I think he's been solid and 
the problem is though is that when you're the guy that he is, especially rushing opposite Alden Smith, you you'd expect there to be a little bit more pr- production, whether it be in QB hits, pressures, and sacks, and it just that really hasn't been there. I do think that on one of Alden Smith's sacks, he helped on that, and he you know he was he, by pushing the uh, offensive tackle back into Russell Wilson. So yeah, he hasn't been just like you know, awful or anything like that. But the thing is that the expectations for him is to be a guy that, especially if you look back at what he's done early in seasons, that's usually when he gets his sacks. Yeah. And so to be through three games and not have at least one sack, you know, I mean, that's why you're going to get that criticism and hey, then hey. put in the money that obviously just makes it worse. Who finishes the season with more sacks, Randy Gregory or Demarcus Lawrence? Oh, it's Marcus Demarcus Lawrence. Lawrence. I, okay. Yeah. I want to bet then. Cause I'm saying Randy Gregory, unless Demarcus's knee is worse than we thought. And there's something else nah, going I'll, on there. I'll I'll go with Lawrence on that. I'll go Lawrence too. Well, I wonder I how I wonder guys. how they work Gregory in, um, just because it doesn't seem like, especially if Alden Smith's playing like he did on Sunday, they want to really take him off the field at all. You <laughs> well, know? they they didn't like they went away from even, and maybe just because of the team they played against, but there really wasn't any dropping Alden Smith back either. It was you know pin your ears back, go get the quarterback. And well, I mean now now that Everson Griffin has said like, look, Mike Nolan, uh, I'm not. I'm not doing the two-point stance. You can't make me. Then that'll be where Randy Gregory fits in. All the two-point yeah. snaps that Everson Griffin was going to get, Randy can get those now. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back uh, next week. Oh, DVR alert, guys. Uh, Fargo Season 4 on FX. Make sure you go record that. Hell yeah, with Chris Rock. Chris Rock, Timothy Oliphant, so many good good characters. I, I won't get to it until later in the week because Stars Game 6 tonight. So make sure you keep following The Athletic. Sean Shapiro's. Jamal Adams is there. pumped. Um, so, um, yeah, make sure you stay locked into the athletic, uh, all week long. John will have some content for you as well. Bobby, uh, you should go ahead and tell us where we can find your work. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Bobby belt TX. That'll pretty much have it all housed for you there. And all my, uh, trolling of John uh, about Tony Roma. Yeah. At Bobby belt TX and also his podcast with Jane Slater. Uh, check that out as well. Uh, we'll be back later in the week to get you ready for the Cleveland Browns. That's right. Baker Mayfield and the boys come into town fresh off of shooting a new progressive insurance commercial. Uh, for our producer, Kent Garrison. For Father John Machota. For our special guest this week, Bobby Belt. I am Kevin K.T. Turner. The Cowboys are 1-2. and two. We'll try it again and get you ready for the Browns later in the week on the next edition of About Them Cowboys. <laughs>